Welcome, everyone, to the World Wrestling Federation. I'm your host, Vince McMahon, and... Oh, wait a minute. This is not the World Wrestling Federation. No, this is the USWA. This is the, uh, the home of, of the king, Jerry Lawler. And, you know, when you... You can't help but make comparisons, and when you compare the World Wrestling Federation with uh, the USWA, it's sort of like comparing horse manure with ice cream, you know what I mean. But uh, congratulations to you, Mr. Lawler. Understand that all of your problems, all of your legal problems are over, and you're just strutting around Memphis, and you know, like feeling good about yourself, and you know, well, uh, your problems, as far as I'm concerned, uh, your problems are just beginning. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niche is neat. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and we have the biggest slab of shea butter in history that we could ever need right now. It's Monty joining us live on the call our trio of terror we have a trio or so of subjects to discuss we got lots of cinema and we are even going to take some time to honor the life of the late jerry jarrett the founder of more things in pro wrestling than you could expect matt what's going on my double dog i'm chilling i just got back from a delicious massage so my shoulders are feeling well needed well knotted and well unknotted um, I, you know, I was, I was in need of this podcast today, so I'm glad we're here. I saw a fantastic film, um, without you guys that I'm going to want to talk about. And then we saw some great films together and some interesting wrestling. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, Monty, how, uh, how buttery are you feeling today? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, uh, expired <laughs> oh, <laughs> right now. Damn. <laughs> you know, I'm still recovering from a stomach bug. So, oh, and then you also had to shovel a bunch of snow too. So you're yeah, doubling. that that didn't that wasn't good on my stomach. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're glad we're glad you cleared a path to us today, Monty. So the and butter is... the butter is, has curds. <laughs> Ooh, nice. The butter yeah. has curdled. That does not mean it's outlived its usefulness. That just means its purpose has changed. It's a lie. We're going to churn you back to health today. Uh, and this is I, a, and I'm not I, sure. I, of the... Oh, I, I recently, I recently saw a, uh, a long form comedy bit on trying to come up with new wrestling acronyms. And since this isn't, this isn't fully a triple M. One thing I did notice is there's very few four letter wrestling acronyms. So today we got M M M B. That's our wrestling organization. M M M B. What's the third M stand for? Movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we're not talking today. This is not like a fully movie episode. It's not full, but we got yeah. two. We well, got yeah. we got two, at least two solid. Well, wait, films. True, there's, true. there's New Japan in JPW. Yeah, that's there's one. All Japan AJPW. Wait, there's a... World Class Championship Wrestling. How's all CCW? How's All Japan? Is it All Japan Pro Wrestling? Is that the full title? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's three. Uh, there's Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Why are all there's of these also, Japanese? <laughs> most of them are Japanese. Well, because they have like the really long names, like oh, okay. Pancrase. Like, oh, yeah. Pancrase, Pancrase. I feel like it's Pancrase all caps, or was it a certain it is. point? It is. Yeah. It, was, it was like, it was Pancrase. 
pancreas. Yeah. I um, pancreas. <laughs> well, hey, we don't want to drive everyone away to start, so we'll hold that for the end. Yeah. But uh, I feel like it'd be good to open up with the discussion once again about Oscar nominees because Ooh. I feel like we all watched a collection oscar nominated movies some we hadn't seen this week we'd seen before but it was the first time for other people uh we watched bullet train collectively we watched Not which nominated. is nominated for like a side oscar but it still counts oh really um, no, did it really i thought it wasn't i thought it wasn't that's why i, I thought it, it was nominated no. for like best makeup or something no nope. uh. we specifically watched bullet train because it wasn't nominated yeah oh is that it so we, we I, okay. but is it nominated? We have That's we cool. have t- collectively as a group seen almost every best picture though. Almost, um, yeah, yeah. For, but for some fucking reason, Avatar: Way of Water got nominated, and no one's seeing that. Um, yeah, I was wondering so, about but that. I, what, a I bullet think train the, the, was was nominated as I'm looking the at. People's Choice Award for favorite movie at the so, Oscars. No, no, People's Choice Awards. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, that well, doesn't. So that's yeah, that doesn't is, mean that's how it. Yeah. That's how it stays in here. There is. So. We talked about one Oscar movie last week, which was Triangle of Sadness. Um, or two. Yeah, and there's a new two one that ago. two weeks ago, and there's another one that Ben and I have both seen. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen this, Monty, but I know there's a healthy discussion to be had. The uh, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner film, The Fableman. I'm, I'm so behind on the Oscars. Like, the only thing that I've seen on the Oscars probably is Everything Everywhere All At Once and Till. I'm not well, sure if Till I mean, is Everything Everywhere All At Once is going to win, so. Uh, so I, I still I don't think know, it, it, it's it going to be a very tight up. one between that and The Whale. No, but The Whale's not nominated for Best Picture. No? Oh, how come? Yeah, Jeez. Best Picture is All Quiet on the Western Front. Fantastic adaptation of it. Um, Avatar The Way of Water. Garbage movie. Don't see it. Um, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Fantastic, fantastic Martin McDonough movie. Um, I highly, highly recommend that one. Yeah, I'll talk about that one that in a few one. minutes. Yeah. Um, the new Baz Luhrmann Elvis. Uh, I've seen. I, I did watch most of it. I fell asleep. I'll be honest. Uh, but it was good. I mean, I think um, I, I genuinely enjoyed Austin Butler's Hot Ones episode more than I enjoyed Elvis. Um, <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture. If it doesn't, the Oscars is screwed. They won the Screen wow. Actor Guild Award. They won. They've won every other major award, and like across the board, have been sweeping. So it might, it might take the Oscars throwing it away. Wait, uh, we speaking have, of, before, sorry, hold on. Did you guys watch uh, the the SAG Awards this past weekend? I read no. the award winning. I yeah. didn't watch it. Oh, okay. I, I usually it. don't watch award shows. It's pretty emotional, actually. But yeah, yeah, I've seen some some videos. I the 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 real thing I keep hearing about the SAG Awards is that when it comes to like the validity of the victories it's mm-hmm. and it's more and more people are viewing it as important mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more uh, than more, more than the to, oscars i i mean the real secret is none of them matter yeah well that's that yeah um the remaining <laughs> best picture nominations are the uh todd field um movie tar 
I can't remember who is in the lead role in that. Someone famous. Um, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. She's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Tar is one of the only ones I haven't seen yet. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, rightfully uh, nominated, should have been nominated for Best Director. Um, fantastic yeah. movie. Everyone's seen it. Everyone's talked about it. Triangle of Sadness, god awful. Um, it's the worst form of art house ever made. And uh, Women Talking, another one that I have yet to see yet, but I've is on high on my list, and I'm really excited to see it. Now, Ben, I know you you saw you recently watched The Fableman, and as someone who did attempt to follow their dream and travel all the way down to the fatal land of uh, Los Angeles, what did you what did you think of The Fablemans? So I, I'll try and make this fast because I feel like we, there's better discussions to be had, mm-hmm. but. My thesis on The Fablemans is you need to watch it with as clear a mind as possible and try and really let the movie take you on the journey itself. And I think it succeeds in that respect. Mm. I think the ultimate message of the movie is a message of selfishness. Mm. And if you've seen the movie, you understand that take from the perspective of Steven Spielberg's sort of, um, could, uh, could you explain in more detail what you mean by selfishness? Cause I haven't seen it. it it's on my it, list. I have it, but I was, so I, I'll try and keep it broad yeah. strokes, uh, but give it, give it, give the give idea the behind version. it yeah. Yeah. is that Steven Spielberg's stand in character. So the kid who's supposed to be him, but mm-hmm. is under a different name. He's confronted in multiple times in the movie, and several of the characters are, with opportunities to either lean in towards being a family person, or doing what's quote-unquote right, or doing Mm -hmm. the selfish thing in support of his craft of movie making. And the overall message of the movie is that if you're good at making movies... Well, it's not that it's, it's not just good. It's, it's exceptional. The movie really sets up the fact that, that Sammy Fableman is like a generational talent. That's like the vibe. I don't of, think it goes in that heavy. Oh, I it, think it it, it... it absolutely does not. In I fact, absolutely I would, disagree I would say with that. you. Because, because that starts way beforehand. We're going to get off topic here, but... The, this theming starts all the way from Judd Hirsch's scene before he's even made anything. And Judge Hirsch's, Hirsch's conversation with him isn't, oh, you're good. It's, oh, this is your passion. And so the mm. argument of the movie is that if your passion is film, it is worth sacrificing having closer relationships with your family in order to achieve the goal of being a good film director. And I find that message pretty reprehensible and disgusting. But I suppose that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's not like it's saying, oh, you should abuse your family. It's just like, no, you should be selfish if you're really passionate about something. And I just found that very striking that you have a big budget movie that's making a pretty harsh statement, Uh, but it it celebrates it as if it's a Steven Spielberg movie because it is. So imagine like you're watching E.T. 
And at the end of the movie, you know, Elliot or whoever decides to turn E.T. in to the government. And then he gets a government grant to, I don't know, open up an orphanage. And it still plays the happy E.T. music at the end. It's like, well, that's still kind of fucked up. I think it, like, based, mind you, again, I, I haven't seen the film yet, but based on what you just said, it sounded like it's more, the message is, like, if this is something you're passionate about, and, you know, and you should that you should do it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. think it's more like, it's it's, it's along the, the, you know, there's a there's a there's a saying that you know if in life all you have to do is if you're able to do one thing great then focus on doing that one thing good you know great in your life that that's the message that i i hear for i think the movie does i don't see the movie as reprehensibly as ben <laughs> yeah and i i, I kind of see it from your lens monty a bit more but i think yeah. it's I think it's smack in. I I see it kind of smack in the middle between you two, because I think to a certain degree it is ultimately a selfish decision because you are pursuing your art, but it's also like the pursuit of art to me is something that's like incredibly beautiful because it does really bring something to the world. I think like if if Steven Spielberg was making these movies for no one but himself, which he kind of is, but like wasn't releasing them, they didn't have this effect on the world. I would see the movie even more selfishly, but like knowing that this individual's like unyielding pursuit is his passion. And he does throughout the movie and in the story, like step away from filmmaking but isn't, and so, has to be like so taken that, back so to his heart with his films. That, that's great. But, but the film specifically hones in on the message of selfishness multiple times I think the, and it's I not think a discussion a lot more a lot more it's not a discussion if you're over in the, the passion LA they say kind of it sphere. they say it okay i'm not I, making I, this shit up they say it with judd hirsch they say it with his mother there's a loop in the story where he's like you know what you're cutting in and his out, mother man. you know what your mother really should have left your father and they close that loop in the story not because ben, she's think, happier think, that way. I think you're coming up. I think you might have seen a different movie. <laughs> I get in the vibe. You might have seen it, like a, a different film. Maybe I'm not. I sure. saw it less than a week ago, man. I I, re- I mean I don't know. I, I have no idea what you're talking. About. I don't know. I think you might have like made this up. Oh my god! Are you god. gaslighting me Whoa. now? Yes. All right, hey guys, just. Take, I'm it easy, take, it like easy, a, like take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. Monty, you're expired. It's just a All right. discussion. Long story short, <laughs> The Fablemans is an <laughs> excellently put together movie <laughs> about a subject matter with a theme that I think is pretty morally bankrupt. But I find it interesting it... that it's <laughs> that the message isn't presented in a negative light. So see, not at all. The I way I the see movie. it is his quest. The way I, I see didn't it is like that, the movie. To to Matt's point, I agree that it's art, but you have to remember the artists, like creating the art, it's personal. It's yeah. you gotta be, in a way, yes, selfish to express your, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it be on, you know, on a 
in, in a painting, a, a picture you take, or a film you make. You gotta be selfish to stay in line to make, you know, to get your message across. Is what I'm trying to say. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and 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 that's you a wonderful and, like, point. Some other, like, like some people pursue that dream and it burns out and they don't get it, and some people do and then they they become Steven Spielberg. And it's it's a okay. it's a it's a difficult journey to take. Yeah, here and it's, here's and a lot what of we'll artists do. in a bunch of different fields. You know, traverse. I think I think people Monty, who, who have seen a different movie <laughs> and end Monty, up in LA with the pain of, of you of, watch of the, the movie. Experience. Monty, right. you watch and the movie, gaslight the fuck out of bed, and you <laughs> genuinely tell me <laughs> that it is a movie about following your dreams instead of eschewing your family while they tear themselves why, why apart can't it be and both? everyone is miserable. Why? Because it wasn't. Because they, they he, word you, you, for word, one... spell out the message of the movie yeah. to you, Matt. But it doesn't, yeah, but just because they spell out a certain message doesn't mean that's the whole message. That's like an, then I they think, didn't. I think then correct. they didn't deliver whatever this. Yes, because it's not that good of a movie. I agree. It's it not is a that good movie. Good of, it's just not the message that is good. bad. It, Why are no, you creating these things that aren't there? Okay. I don't. I don't think I'm creating anything that's not there. I think you. Yes, you are. You're talking about a movie that doesn't film. exist. Okay. No, Ben, that's you. You're, you're the wrong. one who saw a different movie. And and you're you're injecting this like this like internalized notion about Hollywood into it. I you know what I not. I see I, Monty not a word. But just, you know what just that watch the, the whole, movie the mess. Like, I know a lot of artists that they will yeah, sacrifice anything to to get to get where they need to be, like the, yeah. in the sense of goals. Um. It's only until success, exactly. and it's only until success that people see it from another angle. They see it through their. And success. Steven Spielberg or sacrificed his right? family knowingly, and oh, that yeah, is the you know, message of the know, movie. Of if course, you want to be Steven typical. Spielberg, you you sacrifice your family, and the fact know, that that's just what you know what that Steven Spielberg's happy about it. That's only from one artist, and yeah, that's one perspective of one journey. artist. But though. that's the that's what that's what I'm saying. Now, that's I, what I, I'm so saying. I think you're I think you're overly fixated on this notion. Oh my I think, god! I think it's, it's the, resonating it's the notion with you of personally. the movie. The movie told me this. I mean, that's yeah. I told you that. You saw that in the film. It spoke to a part of you, I think. I think this movie connected with this you. This is about interpretation, level. so I yeah. think Ben has his perspective. This is not this up is to a... interpretation. It is. It, it, it quite is not. not. Look, it is, Ben. Look at this. You can't, can't argue, conversation you can't argue about art and, and, and yes. force. Exactly. About about this, you can. Yeah, about this, shame you butter it can. up. <laughs> no, Ben, uh, they, Ben, you're just they, upset. They have like a 10-minute scene ben, where he's in ben, the stupid kid's bedroom. And he's explaining it to him word for word. That's the inciting incident that kicks <laughs> off the rest of the story. Okay, you know what? For nah, the that's sake that's of the argument, the whole thing comes together. I'm just talking about it from... I'm not a, wrong about I'm this. I'm talking about it from an art, art perspective. And I will you know watch the doing. movie. I don't. And then I'll, 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 I will... Probably talk. I'll probably catch up with you guys about it next week on this. But we agreed on I this think, last I, week, Matt. You were like, you know what, Ben? That's I just a good think point. 
No, I think now, I now think you are. I, I like think... I said last week, Ben. Like I said last week, I think you are touching on a portion of what is being told, and the lens with which you are viewing it makes it more absolute. And I don't think that is inherently the only message to be taken it isn't away the from the movie of the movie. Yes, yeah, but it's read between the, the lines. See, see, it's, it's the how you read between the lines because it's you're perseverating. You're perseverating. Okay, guys. Okay. Uh, I gotta step in. Next, I'm you're gonna really, tell me Steven Spielberg's a lizard person. I'm really sick, but I have to step in. <laughs> let's let's After let's move on. Man, let's, let's you're gonna agree on him. All right, all right, guys. <laughs> Un- unball your fists. Let's just. I <laughs> watch the movie. Ben's the one who's upset right now. Uh, okay, I'm okay. not upset. Hey, hey. What makes you think I'm upset? <laughs> the yelling. All right. The pain. All right, Ben. Let's, the fact let's, that you're wrong. Let's. let's... Let's. I'm not wrong. Let's move. I'm let's not move. wrong. Let's move Monty, on. Stop taking let's sides on. on this. Stop let's taking sides on, on this, Monty. And, and okay, Monty. why am I the one I moving you, on? Monty. How about you get Matt so, to move so on? So we also talked. We also there was saw another the movie, Oscar movie. Go talk Skin-a-Marink. about that one. We saw Skinamarink recently. Skinamarink. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Monty. What do you, what do you yeah, tell us about Skinamarink? The uh, the Kyle Edward Ball written and directed film. Um, what, what, what's the vibe? What's the feeling? So I came across this film and, and I, I, I'm glad I brought it up with you guys. I think a couple of episodes ago, because I really wanted to watch it with you guys. I, I stumbled across it on, on shutter and I saw the trailer and it reminded me of, you know, the trailer itself was even fun to watch. And it's reminded me of those seventies, um, European, style trailers where there's a guy the 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 you know the typical trailer guy voice he's like in this house you know yeah. and he keeps <laughs> repeating that and i'm less like yo i'm gonna check this movie out this looks really good so i started reading up on it and um yeah i i i, I just finished holy mountain thanks to you guys yes. for introducing me that. <laughs> Hell yeah. so i was in the mood for another art house film and mm-hmm. this one came across it. I really wanted to watch it with you guys, and I'm glad I we did. And yeah, no, the the movie is about two children waking up in the middle of the night and realize their house has changed, their windows and doors are gone, and their father is missing. And they don't really talk much about the mother, but something creepy starts happening. Yeah, and this movie, what's amazing about it, what I liked about it is that it is really up to your, up to the viewer's interpretation. (laughs) Oh my God, we just did a full circle, right? Just like, just like all art, (laughs) it comes down to Hughes watching it. But, Um, you know, going into this movie, you really have to have an imagination going. Like you yeah, and, really and I mean, and the and the 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 setting, the the setup, and the trailer, but the specifically like the description sets you up for this kind of like mystery thriller that's going to be yeah, you know, like you expect like a I don't know, like a malignant or like a like an insidious or like a trapped in the house horror movie. That's like yes. the presentation that that it, the setup would belie, but it's it's more in lines with like a combination of like paranormal activity meets like we're all going to the world's fair yes. with the like yes. impressionism of like german such like 
giallo cinema like it has this like incredible it's it, it of all the movies we've watched and talked about on this podcast yeah this one above all of them i would define as atmospheric it is like this the, it, the, the, the movie itself is atmospheric yes it, it, well, and not boring though it. yeah and 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 you know the setting of it was a perfect way to tell the story by setting it in, in 1995 you know universe and what i really liked about it is that it's it is an acquired taste not everyone is gonna weird enjoy movie. it like you can't go into this film um expecting a lot of action it's all yeah, don't expect like a modern like, yeah it's blumhouse horror film yeah yeah it's not like that it's not it's not even to you know blair witch or paranormal activities no like style it is like it's the art house version of that. Oh it's yeah, like yeah. hyper yeah. atmosphere. It's like it is. It's like a soundscape. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. Um, a field recordings album where yeah. it's like the sounds captured from nature and strung together into what can be conveyed as music, um, but done so with like with cinema. <laughs> and it's you know it's there's like a. It, it's like a movie creepy pasta almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is it's why not it about, gave me it's that not is about really the story. Good. Yeah. It's about the vibe. It feels like yeah. you're, you know, in some Trapped. six-year-old's nightmare, and you just don't wake up from it. Yeah. And the use, the yeah. use of camera angles, the use of like things never fully being in scene, like in frame, like the the camera is constantly. Um, like the shots are constantly being set up in ways where you're like seeing like the top third of a room. Or like the bottom third of the room. And it captures this really almost unsettling vibe. Because you really don't know what's there. And I think it's it's great to the credit of the filmmaker. Um, to Kyle Edward Ball. Because it, it allowed you to do so much with literally nothing. Yeah. Like this movie. Yeah. This movie. Like the what was the budget on this? Like $5? It was 15, a house. 15000 15, Yeah. Yeah. Right? And we... What, what what I really like about the cinematography in this is that you Selfish. can't film it like a normal horror movie uh, yeah. because you're trying to feel the empathy of the children mm-hmm. in the movie, which means you need to make the space feel as feel as uh, ill defined and mm-hmm. as foreign to you as possible like a kid where it's like well are there monsters downstairs well we know that there's not but if you want to empathize with them just make it so you can't see the space you can't see any yeah you, all you can yeah. see is the like because like when you like, watch i was like you it's, can see it's like a movie. the back of their heads or you can see just the tv screen or you can see the mm-hmm. sconce on the ceiling and nothing else and you hear what they're doing a vibe of everything yeah you're using your ears to really you know put that image in your head on what's going on and 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 if i may i just want to add it's kind of like i don't know about you guys but you know when you're a kid like i'm saying like around four or five or six years old Mm -hmm. like you never like wonder like you lay in bed and you think about that you know, you think about your own basement in the dark. What is going yeah. on down there? This puts that 
on screen. Like it really yeah, it manages yes. to capture that sense of like mysticism with yeah. the entire world. Like when you when you watch like really little kids play and like free play without a bunch of t- parents or adults telling them what to do, just let them go. Like the way they explore the world is so well captured by this film, especially yeah. when you put kids in that kind of like scary or uncomfortable setting. Like the the sense of like absolute like bewilderment, and then for for the movie to go where it does and actually pay off without spoiling specifics, um, the way it pulls off the pickup of the movie where you know like. In a film like Paranormal Activity, there's like little things and then there's one big thing at the end um, that's not even that scary. This movie manages to build up to the terror while actually continuously ramping tension and actually lets you sit with the reality of what is scary or is monstrous about the reality of the film for like a, a longer than I expected. I expected like, you know, like monster ah movie over. Yeah. And then it kind of yeah. sits there, which... Is like my only criticism. Yeah, I would say that my only real criticism of the movie is it has Return of the King syndrome where it ends like three or four times. Like there's multiple ones where I'm like, and satisfying ending, and we're still going. All right. Yeah. Part of the issue too is that there's not really a way to end it satisfyingly, right? No, you said be sad. And and yeah, there are parts of it that, yeah, if we're talking about the cons of the film, there are parts that does drag that it's like really unnecessary. Um, You know, this could have been an easily like an hour and a half. Uh, This could have been a 45 minute short film. Exactly. It could have been done that way as well. And you can still scare the shit out of people. Like it's, it's really, it's. Yeah, This is a movie like We're All Going to the World's Fair, um, which I really think the way you watch it is important. Like, mm-hmm. I really I really need to rewatch this movie, like, alone in my office in the dark. Yeah. Like, all yeah, lights off. Watching from the outside window. God, please. And it, it, it really, um, and I want to add that, it, it, the, the formula they use, it's like, again, going back to what you were saying, like, how you guys were saying, it is from, like, the children's perspective. perspective and and you notice the fear as it starts escalating is when they you know at first they need the the nightlight on those hallway you know nightlights mm-hmm. on and then when it started to be you know pulling pulled off or, or shut down by this skinamarink monster the only way to calm their nerves was to watch tv like have the TV on play with Legos and play with Legos. And you know, it has to be a cartoon in the background, something happy, even though it's like shrouded. What fantastic use of the cartoon to provide a soundtrack. Oh yeah. That's the, the music and the, the soundscape of this film Mm -hmm. is something to marvel at. Yeah. This is, this is a movie where we like really need to try to sit down with Kyle Edward ball. And like understand how he produced that because it's this is again this is there are like there are four people on this movie, you know it's 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 Kyle Edward the four actors and then five executive producers and that's it. <laughs> and and, oh, and, and actors and are all voice. That's it. You don't really yeah. aside aside from the silhouettes of the kids, you don't really the, see anything. 
And, and I have to say, the kids, oh my god, their performance is amazing. Like, just their They're voice. They're the second best child actors we're going to talk oh about Oh my gosh, yeah. Their, their performance really puts sets everything in the mood. It, it's really, really good. Yeah, so I think I think we all here uh, give Skidamarink our, our our recommendation. There's mm-hmm. also going to be a Skidamarink do do part two. Uh, oh, I so I, correction. I found out that was a spoof on this. Oh, it's not okay. really a sequel. So I was just like, damn. I got just got, like, <laughs> I got got. I got. I got. I got. Gypped and Japped. Well, fuck that. Fuck that movie. Fuck Revas. I was going to talk about you. Now I'm not. Um, okay. Well, back to back you're... to Skidamarink. So Ben, what do you what do you give Skidamarink on a uh, one out of five in quality, and what do you give it on a out of four on charm? I give it a three and a half out of five quality, and like a three out of four charm. All right, Monty. I okay. I agree. Quality. Three, I'll give them the half. I'll give it four out of five. And charm, I would definitely give it a three and a half. Yeah, uh, I'm, out of charm. I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm between you both. I give it like a three and a half, to like a three point seven five out of four for charm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I think based on how I watched it, I, I I I need to rewatch it to have a more comprehensive review of like the the quality of it. But I would say yeah, like a three, maybe a three point two five. It's it's good, but I don't know. They're, 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 I, I wasn't as captivating for this kind of weird atmospheric horror as something like we're all going to the World's Fair or my, or my heart only beats if you tell it to. Yeah, this movie, the way I would say it is, you're right. I, if any other day, I, I, if I were was like – on the market to look for a movie to watch like mm-hmm. let's say a horror movie in this case i would be looking for something like you know with a little bit more action but you have to really be in the mood to sit down and you know patience patience is the key yeah. here you have to just sit through this give it give it some patience soak and just it. like soak it in slowly because um yeah it is done, shot and done like a art house film it's not your again it's not your typical uh you know supernatural film like the conjuring or you know um insidious you know it's Mm -hmm. it grabs elements from it and you know you just have to just sit there and just eat it that's it and and it gets better with every bite that's the way i would put it and uh, you can find the movie right now for uh for free streaming on shutter um, or anywhere else that you might find movies. Now, in a complete left turn of vibes, um, I recently uh, saw a brand new movie. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, go out this weekend and go and check out this movie. Uh, it is the new Elizabeth Banks film, Cocaine <laughs> Bear. Um, I, I won't spoil a fucking thing. Um, but let me tell you, it's a movie about a cocaine bear, um, and, 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 and cocaine bear, an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally and eventually intentionally ingesting a large amount of cocaine. 
Yeah, that's um, based on a true story, wasn't it? Yeah, the true story is a lot sadder. Yeah. Um, but so it, what happened in real life is that um, in the 1970s and uh, and 60s and, and 80s in, in the United States, there was a, a string of individuals flying cocaine from um, Colombia and uh, Mexico, and then they'd fly it over the central U.S. and drop the bags of cocaine out of airplanes. And then runners would go and pick up those bags as they traveled. This was a huge thing. I'm pretty sure there's like a Tom Cruise or uh, or a Brad Pitt movie about it where he plays like the famous pilot who runs all the drugs. Um, <laughs> it's it's no, it's like a recent movie. I'm, um, American Made. Yeah. Barry Seal. So uh, so 2017's American Made starring Tom Cruise uh, is a movie about Barry Steele, an American pilot who became an incredibly successful drug runner for the CIA in the 1980s. Um, and this is a story based in that same realm. And this was probably the most fun, horror, violent movie I've seen in a very long time. Now, um, for those who back in 2020 saw the amazing um steve kokotsky movie psycho Goreman. um this is the movie for you this is over the top violence this is hilariously written but somewhat thin characters uh driving themselves through an absolutely ridiculous movie and some of the criticisms i've seen of cocaine bear are that it doesn't go far enough so like i know i know you two and um could under could imagine a movie with a cocaine fueled bear murdering people you'd expect the kills to go exceptionally over the top right to be like the most brutal goopy like you know the the uh wolf's paw or the bear's paw comes shoving through someone's chest and it's like hearts beating on its nails right <laughs> yeah the movie the movie manages to actually hold itself back from that in the name of more comedic and fun kills and by giving a little bit more time to the characters um, you know, it, it could have been a movie where you just focus on the kills and just make everyone unlikable, but the character, the movie actually spends a bit of time with each of the, the different three character groups that kind of make up the makeup of the movie. Um, I think really the real standout for the movies above all of the actors and actresses are, uh, Christine, um, Connery and Brooklyn Prince, the two child actors who play Henry and Dee Dee. Uh, they do such a glorious job of providing this kind of introspective, fun childhood tone. At one point in the movie, um, one of the characters, one of the kids sees the corpse of a man get eaten, basically ripped in half by the bear. And he looks, he looks to the adult who's come to rescue him. And, and he goes, a man doesn't forget something like that. <laughs> um, I think, would you I, say this film leans more as a monster flick, or would it be something like uh, Jaws type of movie? This is definitely more of like a monster comedy. Okay, right. I like I I'm I'm struggling to think of a movie where like you kind of like rubber. In a sense where it's like the monsters. We haven't had a good movie like that in a while. Yeah, yeah it's been felt a while really refreshing. Like the only movie that's given me this feeling somewhat recently is Psycho Gorman. Um, and I think that movie is a bit more successful than this one. But when it comes to the new, new movies that are out right now, 
this is a really, really satisfying experience. And this is the, a movie that's a perfect example of, I would give this four out of four charms, but I, I would still like willfully give it three out of five stars when it comes to like quality of cinema. Like I could, I could probably nitpick a whole bunch of things you could have improved, but who gives a shit when it comes to a movie like Cocaine? Bear? I think you, should, one of the, I think you should give it the extra point five just because this is yeah, one of yeah, Ray, Ray, Ray Liotta's last flick. Right? Yes, it, no, it's Ray Liotta's final finished film. Yeah, this is the last yeah. movie he finished filming. Um, I, 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 I do want to share one of my favorite criticisms that I read about the movie in a negative review. Which was that the characters don't act enough like they're actually on cocaine. <laughs> and in a movie about a bear consuming a massive amount of cocaine and going on a murder spree, I don't think the comprehensive detail with which you present cocaine usage is is necessarily important. Now, does this movie do a great job of making you not want to do cocaine? Not really. It kind of has that kind of 80s vibe toward the cocaine too, which I think is a kind of a fun aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I, I really I really recommend everyone go out and see Cocaine Bear. It is the best time you're going to have in cinemas right now. It is more fun and more and funnier um, than Ant-Man and the Wasp Comptomania. Um, it's a better horror film than Knock, uh, Knock at the Cabin. And boy, is it a lot more fun than eighty for Brady. Um, so if you're if you're in the states or in the, around the you world, wherever this eighty for Brady. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I just know it's. Oh, better. Well, then you can't say that. Maybe eighty for Brady's better. I I I, I know with, you are tonight, Matt. I you're a big the, old bucket of fake news. Whoa, I would, whoa, whoa. I with the utmost confidence recommend <laughs> Cocaine Bear over eighty for Brady. Well, we gotta um, do a twofer where we gotta watch eighty for Brady, like you know, back I, to back with Cocaine Bear. I I gladly. <laughs> I will Great. gladly watch eighty. Do I have for Brady. to be part of this? Yes, yeah, you're, yes. you're locked in now. Especially, especially it's a movie about interpretation um so so now I, I i will i will share a little bit about the true story um because i think it is an interesting what are my neighbors doing fucking um i also think it is pretty interesting over there um and in the real story the uh the in real life in 1985 when this happened um, the bear became uh, well known in the news media as a Pablo Escobar. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, he, the the bear was discovered in the in the Georgia Catahoochee National Forest, where the film does take place. Um, so the the idea, from what we know, is that a convicted drug smuggler, Andrew Thornton, um, died in a plane crash. Um, after ostensibly dropping a large amount of cocaine, approximately 880 pounds of cocaine um, were dropped That's across party, the uh, Georgia mountains, <laughs> a big shipment from Columbia. And uh, it was a, he was wearing when they found his dead body, which was found in a driveway in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is, again, captured accurately in the movie. <laughs> Um, he was wearing goofy Gucci lo uh, uh, loafers and had about fifteen million dollars worth of cocaine strapped just to his body. No, now geez. the in the in the film, um, the bear f 
the the cocaine that's dropped in the forest is consumed by the bear and he goes on a murderous rampage now the really unfortunate thing is about the original story is that what ostensibly happened was this similar thing the cocaine bags fall into the woods and the bear finds it and obviously like a bear bears will eat anything um and when they found the bear its heart had exploded and it was surrounded by 40 bags of open of 40 open plastic containers of cocaine which were all nearly gone um and so it looks like what happened in real life uh the bear ate all the cocaine really quickly and then it had an instant overdose and its heart exploded yeah um now Funnily enough, with that true story in mind about the movie, Elizabeth Banks Elizabeth Banks came out saying that she had a deep sympathy for the bear. Um, and part of why she wanted to do it, do the movie was, I. Uh, she says, I really felt like this is so fucked up that this bear got dragged into this drug run, gone bad, and, and, and ended up dead. I felt like this movie could be the bear's revenge story. Nice. Um, and if you go into the movie with that in mind, it truly, truly captures it. Uh, I, I mean, I could, I could compliment everyone in this movie. Um, Aiden Elridge, Shay Jackson, Jr. Carrie Russell, Ray Liotta, uh, Isha Whitlock, Jr. The two child actors, uh, Margot Madeline, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, um, who else is actually worth paying attention to? Oh, the the young teen actors J.B. Moore and Aaron Holiday were a, a true gift to the film as well. So do yourself a favor, check this one out, um, and it, it gets a firm recommendation from from your your very own Doctor Gore Wizard. Um, now, let's move on. <laughs> well, hey, last uh, film topic for now. Monty, while we were watching Bullet Train, you said a bit about, you mentioned casually how, you know, a lot of famous Asian actors were in the movie, but they were sort of sidelined into these guest roles. Yeah. I think you sort of undersold how whitewashed Bullet Train was. Yeah, we were horrifically. At, uh, Jap- we were uh, at the Japanese grocery. I didn't know it was based on a book yes. that yeah. took place entirely in Japan with only japanese people yeah. oh so in the in the in the original in, story are they all it's like based on a yeah triad? maria beetle yeah, like, yes like, like lemon and tangerine were still called lemon and tangerine but everyone else was japanese and had a japanese name i mean this is what i'm getting from the back of the book but you oh. know i'm presuming Did you buy the book no no, no, I can't read. Um, but, but I was just fascinated that that they whitewashed it really bad. It's just, I think, I'm guessing people out here didn't know that there was a book first. And so no, no yeah, it was, it was very quietly. Yeah, they did. It was in the credits, actually. Uh, like it was mentioned. On. Yeah, based on a book. Yes. But yeah, it's... Um, it is, you know what? The way I see it is, it's a fun film. It's not a great yeah, the film. Movie, the movie largely kind of came and went. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a it's a good film. You know, it, it's a good homage to the classic Guy Ritchie films like Lock, Stock, and Snatch. Um, the movie I was thinking about, and I was telling you guys, 
Um, it, it's kind of like smoking aces where you just yeah. go in and watch the chaos of action and funny dialogues and, you know, scenarios. And then you just come out just feeling great. But yes, uh, this, this movie kind of, this, I, I feel like the, the, the vibe this movie wanted to capture, which is just like a fun wild ride is almost better captured by cocaine bear <laughs> than, um, that I think this was a great, I love a good spy action thriller type of film like this, especially when they're funny and over the top. Um, but you know, it, it kind of, it kind of runs the line of it being a little too, um, like vapid and empty and I, I the whitewashing started to show itself as the movie went on more and more um like it felt more and more evident i mean i sure I'm, I'm sure that's to some degree from your uh mentioning of it but it does start to feel a little off after a while yeah well and if you guys are interested the, in the audiobook uh this is actually i think this is this is uh, one of the trilogy of the Hitman trilogy. Ooh, so, all right, I'm if you guys on. are interested, you back. guys can check out the audio. I guarantee oh, you that at some point books. in the future, yeah. I if these are available on Audible, yeah, I, uh, not not sponsored. I will listen to and review these books. Yes, uh, I, me too. I'll, I'll do it. With sounds you. like yeah. a great. I've been wanting to read a good. Uh, oh no, they replaced the cover with the with the white people. <laughs> i swear Here to we you go. The, yeah, the picture the picture on audible now is with the uh with the white cast well no they're not all white come on <laughs> you know what i mean but the whitewashed cast sorry the well the difference between how the movie should have been cast with asian actors playing asian characters uh this is what kiwi Wan has been yelling about this is this is a this movie is why he left cinema yeah, but you and know what? Keep in mind, this was shot during the pandemic, so who knows? Like, I'm maybe glad it I'll... got made, and yeah. I don't begrudge it because it's a great movie. Um, but like, still, it's it is a you can feel it. I, I get the feeling that this the book is going to be way better than this. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. really excited if the book manages to capture this story over a longer period of time like book one in the in english is 13 hours which is just long enough for a perfect story yeah but hey you know what Asides with that white watching aside i did have fun with this like i mentioned it i think in our previous episode when we talked about bullet train it's a fun movie um mm-hmm. nothing to take too serious about but yeah it's like watching tropic thunder so yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the way though the right. trop- tropic thunder i think has yeah is a bit better yeah. this is still a good movie it's a it's again it's a high it's a high charm to a a mediocre co- quality man look at this guy just across the board today well i think I, we have time for one more <laughs> subject today <laughs> is it about selfishness ben is just constantly it's poking not. you with a sharp knife <laughs> Ben, 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 Ben's just mad because I hurt his feelings. You didn't hurt my feelings, Matt. You brought, oh, really? You really? No. That emotional of an answer. Wow. You're needling wow. me. You're needling me repeatedly wow. regarding this, and oh. you're wrong. It's just Man, it wrong. Sounds like, okay? It sounds like you're a little upset. 
Your spaghetti is upsetty. <laughs> Come on. Now, 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 Ben, tell tell us about death. Well, Matt, it comes for us all, and it came <laughs> for this man. And we're going to spend our last few minutes here talking about this guy. We watched some of his more famous clips. Jerry Jarrett, Ooh. one of the most famous wrestling promoters of all time. Guy who introduced... Essentially, he created the framework for pro wrestling angles on television, okay? He created hardcore wrestling with the Tupelo concession stand brawl in 1979. The first empty arena match in 1981 with Jerry Lawler and Terry match to watch. Very fun watch. He was at the focal point of... Of the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman feud, where a Hollywood celebrity became a wrestler. I don't know if we've ever seen that since. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had one of the first work shoots with Jerry Lawler and Snowman, which was a race-based shoot. And also stuff we didn't watch. We watched those four. Uh, He also introduced the scaffold match. Oh, really? He was one of the first promoters to popularize merchandise for wrestlers. It was in his promotion where the fabulous Freebirds, as legend has it, debuted theme music. Uh, He encouraged flamboyance and character work out of his wrestlers as opposed to technical wrestling ability. He was in line to take over the WWF from Vince McMahon if he was set to go to prison in the 1994 steroid trial. Oh, imagine. Uh, Not only only was his USWA in the early 90s the first place where Vince McMahon played a heel character on television and set the foundation for the Mr. McMahon character, but also Jerry Jarrett's last major contribution to the wrestling world would be co-founding Total Nonstop Action Wrestling alongside his son, Jeff. So, that's a lot that can be at least partially, if not completely, attributed to Jerry Jarrett. We got to see a sample of his stuff. Matt, what would you? What were some of the highlights that you gleaned from, from what you watched? We watched the Tupelo Concession Stand Brawl from 1979, where... Uh, where Jerry Lawler goes into a the first ever hellacious crowd brawl where they fight over the concession stands, bleed, and cover each other in mustard. <laughs> we saw the empty arena match where Terry Funk gets stabbed in the eye with a wooden stake. We saw Andy Kaufman get the shit slapped a out of his artist. mouth by Jerry Lawler on David Letterman. Really and we got to art. see Jerry Lawler be branded a racist by Snowman. Yeah, no, I, I really, the, the thing I took away, I mean, the most, the most impactful thing was the empty arena match, um, because it was kind of this like pseudo lens into what eventually became like pandemic era wrestling. Um, but I think what, what, what it seems like Jerry, Jerry Jarrett, am I saying, sorry, Jerry Jarrett, yeah, Jerry, it seems like what Jerry Jarrett really solidified for wrestling was not just these over-the-top match 
segments and like them brawling on the crowd or the empty arena or the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler event, or, you know, the racism lines, what he does, what he managed to do is he managed to come up with crazy ideas and like wild gimmicks for matches and stipulations, but then actually make them make sense within the characters and engaging with them. So like Mm -hmm. the Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler match, I think is a, a fantastic example because it is truly like a deeply disturbing and dark match that happens especially with funk's performance and lawler's performance but it makes sense that they're doing it the characters Uh and the the performers are given the time to establish why you would want to do something like this where i think and sometimes in modern wrestling and we've seen it in the the worst of the cinematic matches where it's just there or like in the modern day where like the hell in the cell has become meaningless because you just do it there's no purpose and reverence behind why it's happening there's no surprise each of these things like when a brawl happens today in a random street fight it's like oh cool they're brawling but when it really really means something when there's a story and character driven action leading to that brawl into the crowd it's so well deserved and so well earned and i think a lot of a lot of what like AEW is doing right now with its presentation pays a lot of credit to the kind of storytelling jerry jared was doing in these instances i think like the best of what we're seeing from aew is really pulling from the way a lot of these matches felt especially even the the i mean the tupelo concession brawl uh stand brawl is like hard to watch because it's the quality's pretty garbage uh but you can really get a feeling that this is like kind of transcendent and and the andy kaufman jerry lawler thing is like true transcendent wrestling storytelling like to the degree that i think we're getting now with characters like mjf um who are really like transcending the boundaries between how you're going to tell and delineate between reality and wrestling storytelling and i think they they all owe a big credit to jerry jared for doing for bringing that to the wrestling world and one of the cool things of uh, of these wrestling segments and you touch on it a bit as well, is that even though this is obviously, you know, it's dramatized, right? For a lot of these segments, because everything around them had such lower stakes, each of these things felt more special. And the fact they hadn't been done before, it it makes me very thankful that these are still preserved now because you're never going to get the same feeling that the people in Memphis felt or the people in Tupelo felt when all of a sudden these guys brawl into the crowd and they're, you know, smashing each other into the popcorn machine. I will say there's only one moment in probably the last, I don't know, since I've known you, the last 10 years of being a wrestling fan that's gotten me that feeling. And it was watching Eddie Kingston walk out with the gas can. That was Mm, one of the most truly truly moving moments in modern wrestling and i i feel like it truly like the way that terry funk is wailing after his eye gets stabbed in the jerry lawler match is like this true character moment like it feels real it's unsettling and the only person who's captured that in recent years was that moment with eddie kingston it was truly genuinely unsettling yeah Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like how you're a villain who, you know, yeah. it really plays out like a really good villain there. You know, I, I really enjoyed that match. 
Yeah, what what do you think in general, Monty? I think it's like in general, like I think he it really paved like watching wrestling uh, up till to date. It's like this this really was a historical landmark of of you know paving the way of how modern wrestling has sh- shaped itself, and it all came you know with just these simple out of the box thoughts of creating something that to enhance the realism or the action uh, of, of these these matches. So I really, really enjoy these matches for sure. So it's it's good to learn something there. So yeah. That's my yeah, take it's, on it. It's uh it's cool with with Jerry Jarrett because with a lot of promoters it's really hard to express, you know, what they did or what they contributed. Whereas yeah. here it, he has a really clear, you know, thumbprint or footprint on the wrestling space. Um, I, I really liked your point about A. Kingston, Matt. I just want to say that it, you know, there are wrestling shows where, you know, it's better to be in the crowd. Obviously, yeah. you know, most wrestling, but you can get an idea of it. The only match I would say where I really feel like you had to have been there to really understand how crazy the match felt was last year. And like I'm talking CM Punk beating scene in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm oh. talking all the wrestling I've ever been to Goldberg wins in the Georgia dome. The only one that really felt like, Oh my God, what's happening. And I don't know if it could be replicated in a home setting was that, anarchy in the arena match from last year's double or nothing mm. genuinely one of the most batshit amazing matches i have well, ever had I, the pleasure of seeing in person i i think it i think it came across i mean to me it came across exceptionally well on tv because you were able to constantly cut between all of the stuff that was happening like it right it created this like freneticism that was like um, I, I don't I don't know how I would have been able to pay attention to what was happening, but I do I do agree with you that I, I have to imagine that the climax of that match in person must have well, been. But the thing is, is that it wasn't about catching everything. It was the mm-hmm. fact that you were looking around the arena and you saw like 20 people all beating the Just shit out of each other, yeah. all doing crazy shit. At the same time, like next to you, Hmm. across from you, there were like ladders people were falling off of in the distance that you could barely make out. All of the music's playing. (laughs) It was insane. I am hoping that they do it again this year. I Uh, hope they live up to it because I don't know what you're going to do to capture. Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to live up to it, don't do it. Mm. But if you are going to try... And you got oh. a good group of people, then then definitely do it because it was amazing. Um, oh, any, no, that, any, was, that was a any... perfect time for a, a quadruple charm right there. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna talk well, about the first Matt... stadium stampede and how 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 they tried that and it didn't really work, and then they tried blood and guts and that didn't really work, and a third example from AEW that didn't really work. Ben, what's a third right. example? And, and, and the fourth time would be the unfortunately didn't get that, Matt. <laughs> but you know perfect i'll be able to try it How a second time you? oh and see if i can get it to work so before you guys 
end this episode. There's one research. I'm just taking it back a little bit to the bullet train. So apparently they did. There's a Japanese film called Grasshopper, and that's a oh. prequel to Bullet Train. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a that's a shout out for all of our fans out there. Try and catch Grasshopper. Yeah, it's uh. Let me see how old this film is. I think it's 2017. 2015. Ah, okay. So yeah, hey. Oh, and it stars Raiden from Mortal oh, Kombat. Shit, you're right. The current Raiden. <laughs> not, oh, the, not the modern day Raiden. Not the modern day Raiden. No, no, not, not the good Raiden. <laughs> the good Raiden. <laughs> not the bad he also played. Raiden. He also played Hogan in, in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. That's Brother? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. and he was in Detective Chinatown 3, one of the most successful movies of 2021. Did you watch it? No, it just made a shit ton of money. Oh, you guys! Have, well, I have to introduce I wanna, you guys I to. I want to do. Detective. I want to do a triple a, a triple feature. Yeah, that is a really funny film. Really well. I love. I love. I love Haran Lu, who plays. Uh, I'm gonna say his name wrong. Q Fang, Kui Fang, and Tony Jaa's in it. Oh, I want to watch this movie. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's really good, but you have to watch it from part one because it kind of ties yeah, yeah, all yeah. together. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll introduce it. But anyways, yeah, sorry for well, cutting uh, it. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I, that, I this had is the third time we've tried to end the movie. <laughs> to do it. This is currently the third time we're trying to end the episode. All right. And if it doesn't work this time, <laughs> I know it'll work the next. Well, it actually might not because, cause, you know, you're wrong about the Fablemans. Oh, my God. But you have to start fuck that at you, the man. end. I'm not wrong about the Fablemans, okay? <laughs> I... I Check I out our Instagram. There's a bunch of really great reviews of some new albums. The um, fourth time's the charm. I recently got a good night, good morning. I'm oh it my god! <laughs> Say goodbye if you want, Monty. You you broke Ben. You broke Ben. Two. Uh, one. All right, talk to y'all later. later.